When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. And it's a very upbeat Royal Blue Podcast that we've got today. Everton have started the season in perfect fashion by beating Spurs 1-0. Uh, at the new White Hart Lane, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin header in the second half was enough for all three points. And we are going to go over exactly how Everton did it. I am your host today, Adam Jones. I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Paul Wheelock and Gav Buckland. And Dave, I'm going to start with you. Cast your mind back to half three yesterday afternoon. <laughs> uh, the, team, the team sheet is about to be released. Yeah. Do you expect to see... James Rodriguez, Allen, and Abdelaziz Kouré all in the lineup. I think so, yeah, because we, we spoke, didn't we, in the uh, the pod that we did on Friday, what we thought the starting lineup was going to be, and uh, I think that was pretty much uh, the eleven that I suggested. Um, but until you actually see it in black and white, you're not a hundred percent certain. And the reaction on social media afterwards just underlined how excited Evertonians were. I think it was the eleven most Blues wanted to see. Uh, but you know, Carlo Ancelotti clearly agreed as well. So to see them all out and all start, and it just gave this real sense of anticipation, real sense of excitement. And it's fair to say that they didn't let us down. Did they? It was uh, it was probably the most enjoyable opening day. I know we've had a few in in recent years, or maybe maybe not that recent. But you know, I'm thinking of the uh, the one nil where Fellaini scored against United, or the uh, the four nil against uh, Newcastle. You know, Tony Cotty's hat-trick, the 2-0, uh, Joe Royal's first game, well, first season, full season in charge. Uh, but probably away from home. It's the most enjoyable opening day. I'm going to go back years and years and years here. But uh, Everton won 4-0 uh, at QPR way back in 1976-77, I think it was. And it was so unexpected, it was untrue. QPR had been runners up the season before. And uh, went down to 10 men as well, early doors. But somehow won 4-0. And it's just like, oh my God, what's going on here? And it was a little bit like that yesterday. Uh, not just the fact that Everton won one nil at Tottenham, but uh, as we said again last week, it's a ground where we've had such bad fortune over recent years. But it was how comfortable Everton looked, the quality of football they played, 70% possession after half an hour. It, it was just great. So, sorry I've gone on a bit there, but you can tell we're all very excited about what was a great opening day of the season. <laughs> I think when you've got to go back to the 70s to kind of uh, relate to how well we've done on the opening day, like I think that, that, show, that shows you just how bad we've been on the opening day over the last <laughs> few years, to be honest, isn't it? But, uh, you know, Gav, as as Preno says there, it was just, like, if we speak about the performance in general, let's cast our minds back. It was probably only six games ago, I think, that Everton went to Spurs last time around. Yeah. Uh, obviously got beat 1-0 on that occasion in what was probably one of the most boring games of football that I've ever watched in my life. You know, fast forward to now, and Everton just looked a completely different prospect, didn't they? Yeah, um, but obviously you've got a fully functioning midfield where players know how to pass the ball and what to do with it when they receive it. Is uh, certainly helps. 
Uh, it took me about 90 seconds to think that it's going to work today. You know, we were so smooth from the kickoff. You know, you, know, you, get, you get that feeling in games, don't you, early on? You're thinking, we know what we're doing here. Um, not just in midfield, but up front and out wide and defensively we were we were sound. So, yeah, I think that made a difference. I remember at the end of last season, I was talking to me, Mason, and, I was, and, and you know I've gone on about like being worried about how Carlo didn't get the best out of players over those nine games, you know, when we came out of lockdown and his ability to get the best out of the play, you know, the players who who was um he inherited this season. When I looked at it yesterday, I'm just, so my mate, my mate said to me, I think he's keeping his powder dry till next season. Mm. You know, that he's basically not gonna waste any energy on the on the remaining nine games. Yeah, he's going to be focused on the the, the following campaign because he's know he's going to be bringing in new players and stuff, and he's probably identified those players that he wants to retain in the the start eleven. And on on the on the basis of what I seen yesterday, I think we might probably right. Is it wasn't just the other three the new the new the time for the suppliers that he's brought in who were exceptional. Basically, everybody else was. You know, we were actually, you know, ranked bad at the end of last season. And, you know, don't have to name names there, no talking about. And that was the most encouraging part of the day for me. I just thought we were, we, we, you know, I can't I can't think 40, 50 years watching Everton where they've come away thinking there's not a lot more we could have done there. Mm. Apart from maybe scored a couple more goals. It was pretty much perfection, wasn't it? From mm. the back, Pickford had a good game. Uh, and... Faultless, can't can't fault them. You know, we can make this a very short podcast, couldn't we? Go to the mall now, and then we can just finish. So that's all we can say. It's all we can say, really, isn't it? You know, what, what can you say about yesterday? Great result, great performance, um, and uh, you know, and, and let's hope we can carry on from this. Mm. Well, I mean, I thought what the most interesting thing for me in the early stages of that game uh, was that we sort of like a little bit of a change of system, really. Obviously. Last season, we were used to Carlo Ancelotti playing that more four-four-two sort of style with Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin up front. This time around, it was much more reminiscent of like a four-three-three. And uh, as Gav rightly mentions there, Paul, the midfield was absolutely crucial to the way Evan played yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, he certainly was. I think I said to Preno before we started, after about five minutes, this sense of calm just kind of like passed over me. And like, and I think Gav said it as well, like you just felt this is going to be okay today. And yeah, you you only have to look at those three debutants, how good they were, you know. We, we Everyone knows that they've got quality. That shouldn't come as a surprise, but let's face it, they've not been training with the, the players for too long now and it's been a funny old pre-season, but they, they just they, they fit in so well, didn't they? And yeah, you look at Alan and, and Rodriguez, it's pretty clear that they've played for Ancelotti before and played in those kind of positions and it, it just had this massive transformative effect on, on, on the team as well because you exactly right what the lads were saying a moment ago. You know, there's a lot of players in that team who, who were rotten at the back end of last season, starting probably with the goalkeeper Pickford, and he was certainly for me one of the big positives yesterday because that looked like the the Jordan Pickford of the first season at Everton, and, and some of the performances he's putting for England over the years as well too. But yet it all came from the midfield. We had like control in a game for once, and we weren't overrun either, which is which is a big surprise given you know what's what's gone on over these probably last over the course of the last season and. 
yeah, they, they deservedly t- take the credit because they've obviously already had the desired effects, but it was the whole team. There was just, it felt very different from very early on in the game. And yeah, I can only echo what Gavin and, and Dave have said already. It was just fully deserved and it's just more of the same, please. Mm. Well, I mean, I'll stick with you for this one, Paul, but like, I think the player that stuck out to me, you know, obviously the likes of Decore and Allen in that midfield were obviously getting loads of plaudits for, uh, for that being their, you know, rightly really, really good debuts. But Andre Gomez next to them, I thought he looked on his way, at least on his way back to uh, the best that we've seen him play. Yeah, I agree. I felt for him in the back end of last season because obviously he was coming back from that horrible injury uh, caused by the Tottenham players on, on the opposition yesterday. And he came back into a, a side that was clearly lacking badly in midfield. And, you know, it's probably over the the last few years, we've talked a lot on this podcast and as Evertonians, we've, we've talked privately about like the, the, the absence of Lukaku and how big a blow that was. But I think Adrissa Gay as well has been absolutely massive for Everton because he gave so much energy into that midfield and he, he won the ball back so much. And it's, it's no surprise that Gomez probably played his best football alongside him. But with Alan and the Corey, Next to him yesterday, he, he just looked more like the, the Gomez who, who was here on loan rather than the one that we bought from Barcelona. So, yeah, long way to continue. And I was really happy that he played the three of them together because I think that system proved yesterday that I, I like four four two, and I like what certainly Duncan did with having Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up front together. But I, I like that stability that having three in the midfield does. And uh, Richarlison looked really dangerous. I know he, he, he probably was a bit wasteful at times, but I quite like him on that left wing. And I know that we're going to speak about Rodriguez as well, but he just looks absolute quality in the, on the right. But yeah, yeah, Gomez, to me, he's certainly done enough for West Brom next weekend to be keeping his place in that team. Mm. Dave, I know you're a big fan of Andre Gomez. You know, what did you what do you make of his performance? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, you shouldn't have a look on social media. Um, so after the game, because you know, it's such a, a wide variety of uh, views. Some of them quite extreme. And uh, I saw a number. You know, some people can't help being negative, can they? You know, after a win like that, everyone's bouncing. And you know, so you're looking on social media, looking for positives, which there were plenty. But I saw a couple criticising Richarlison because okay his finishing wasn't you know absolutely top notch but I still think he had a very very good very effective game and a few moaning about Gomez and I thought I didn't see it at all to me Gomez looked a lot more like the Gomez that we saw when he first came into the team because he's got the right kind of players around him it's funny actually the balance is so much better uh, and so many other players look like better footballers as a result of the players that Carlo Ancelotti's brought in. I mean, Gomez was able to express himself a lot more and use the ball a lot more creatively and penetratingly uh, as he has done because he had that shield of, you know, sort of Alan behind him and because he had, um, you know, players, you know, sort of around him basically, basically do, doing the job for him. Uh, and likewise, the two centre-backs... I thought Michael Keane and Yerry Mina looked like, you know, sort of more secure and more accomplished players because they had a player in front of them, you know, sort of basically doing the dirty work. So I think we're going to see better quality performances from a number of players this season as a result of the players that Carlos, you know, brought in. I'm trying not to get too carried away. I'm trying to temper everything with a little bit of realism and a little bit of, let's be sensible about this because we've seen false stones before. But they just look like the right kinds of players to bring out the best of all the players around them. One of which is Andre Gomez, who I thought played very, very well. Uh, well, I think we've avoided talking about them for uh, about as long as we can do in this podcast. Gav? James Rodriguez, like what a what a debut that was. Well, goes back to what we were saying last week and what everybody said last week. You know, Rodriguez 
was and probably still is a well-cast player. And he can stick him into any team and he's going to make a difference. Stick him into Evans, with all due respect to the the majority of his teammates, he's going to stand out a, a country mile. I mean, and even compared to the Spurs players, he stood out yesterday, didn't he? You know, uh, he's just like like all the best players. He, he, he's got time on the ball. Time appears to slow down when he, he's got it. You know, he, he can find space. His, you know, he, he makes the simple things, you know, like all great players do. You know, he, he can do the simple things and then just remain effective and stand out. I mean, his best one yesterday for me was when the ball was played to him in the second half at sort of waist level. And he, he killed the ball stone's head, didn't he, from about two or three feet in the air. Moved inside and put that beautiful cross in for the Charles and not as it wise. But um, you know, that that type of class, you don't see that very very much anywhere. And and he, he was he, he showed that yesterday. You know, you don't you don't lose you don't lose class there as a player. And yeah, I was I was really impressed by um Rodriguez yesterday. I thought he was I thought he was superb. And if he plays like that, he's gonna be a joy to behold. Uh, this season, and he's got to get his fitness as well, which was even even better. Uh, and I think he's, uh, you know, let, let's just hope he can stay fit and focused. And you know, Carlo's managing obviously, he's got a lot of trust there both ways. So uh, yeah, exceptional. And but saying that, it goes how well how well that the team played that he wasn't guaranteed man of the match for us either, was he? <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah top notch. And uh, he did well. Did well. Mm. I think that touches on a really good point there, Wilo. You know, this was this was a Hamas Rodriguez who's only played one match, I think, since February. So, you know, Carlo Ancelotti admitted at the start of the match that, you know, this was gonna be a player who wasn't at full fitness. And to be able to put in a performance like that. Now I know he wasn't, you know, bombing up and down that wing all game or like closing down it, like every every loose ball or anything like that. You know, he didn't put in like tons and tons of effort, but I think that performances like that are just going to go, as Gab says, they're going to go so so far to uh, to improve in this side, aren't they? Massively, he's, he's star quality, isn't he? There's no question about it. Uh, his, his touch on the ball is just it's beautiful to watch, and and I, as Gav rightly said, it's it's the game seems to stop when he has the ball and he's, he's calm and some of those crossfield passes yesterday and particularly that one to Richardson was just a uh, joy to behold. And I think you said it as well, uh, Adam in your piece after the game and on the video as well, the fact that, you know, he, he's probably nowhere near 100% fifth this last season. Did he start from like eight league games for, for Real Madrid? And like, you, you know, obviously you can tell he's in great shape and he's been keeping himself fit, but you know, he's got to get back into the river of playing regular football again. Uh, and that I think that was just a snapshot. I think that was just a snapshot of his ability that we're going to see. I think there's a lot more to come for him. I thought in the first half he had that shot, didn't he, where he cut inside and just curled past, curled past the post. And I think a few a bit a little bit early he, he went onto his right side where he probably should have done the, the same again. And I just think defenders, particularly fullbacks, are going to find it very hard to to you know to be able to contain him because he, he's very different, isn't he? He's not. Uh, a traditional winger. He's not even like an inside forward, say, you know, like the, the, the norm these days in a 4-3-3. He's almost like a, a number 10 who comes in and he was just, 
Yeah, it, I think Dave said on the pod a couple of weeks ago when it was clear that the three were going to sign that Allen and Decore were the one players, the, the two players that Everton needed in that midfield. And I think even if we just had them two yesterday, we would have been a hugely improved team than what we were at the back end of last season. But he just gives that X factor. Uh, and I think I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been on the the, the, the site today, hasn't he, saying like he just couldn't wait to get out there and play, you know, with these kind of players. And I think people like him and, and Richarlison and other, you know, other players in the squad, the other forward players who may not have played too much, uh, who didn't come on yesterday, you know, should be licking the lips because, yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he did everything that we wanted to in a debut. Mm. He really should have got himself an assist, really, shouldn't he? You know, the amount of times he settled up Richarlison uh, coming in on that... Uh, on that left-hand side, you know, you really expect Richarlison to finish off some of them uh, on on another day. But you know, as as Paul's rightly saying there, Dave, you, you know, like the way I think it was just the way Rodriguez he was like the team sheet hasn't playing from right midfield, but he he wasn't really a right midfielder, was he? He was just drifted into that space, and he was he was I think he was given Tottenham just all manner of issues to decide who was even meant to be marking him because he just seemed to be in about 10 yards of space literally every single time Everton were looking for him. Exactly. He just he just exudes class. I mean, the quality of his touch and his control was like something else. And um, I, th- I think it's, it has people talking about Everton again, his, his signing. Looking at, I mean, when you do after a, a victory like that, you go out and buy virtually every newspaper. Like this. <laughs> and, um, I'm, I'm looking at them right here. Front page of the, uh, the Times, uh, their poll out, a star is reborn, and a big picture of uh, Rodriguez. And Henry Windsor has basically, you know, sort of gone to town on him, absolutely raving about him. He broke, or he, sorry, he called a Premier League record, didn't he, on his debut, which I know it's one of those spurious mad statistics, but, you know, five key passes on his debut, which apparently hasn't been done since. Since Alexis Sanchez uh, made his debut for was it Arsenal or United? I can't remember now. But you know, just underlines you know, so sort of what an impact he had on a game, having only trained on a handful of occasions, um, and you know, still got an awful lot to do to get back up to full match fitness. And also in a fairly alien you know league where he wasn't quite sure what to expect. Everyone talks about the intensity of the Premier League as something that you know foreign players may find difficult to come to terms with. But you know, when you're that good, when you've got that much class, um, you just he strolled through it uh, and I was surprised he got through as far as he did I thought we might see an hour or so of him before you know kind of decided to bring on fresh legs but it was effectively like the 89th minute which showed you you know how pleased he was with him as well and I loved you know talking about him afterwards he knows what he brings to the side he knows what he can add uh, if I'd have wanted an athlete I'd have bought Usain Bolt he says <laughs> so, so, you know he didn't you know so he brought a fellow that's going to bring creativity and imagination and he'll also bring goals as well I mean that was his first game he had a couple of efforts you know so you know they unfortunate maybe with that shot that just you know veered wide um i don't think it's going to be long before we're seeing him celebrate a goal um i still think that alan was the most important of the lot but i was pleasantly surprised by how much we got from rodriguez on his debut all three of them were excellent you know so on the mm-hmm. debut and it was just faultless you know i can't really pick a hole in anybody's performance uh, yesterday it was just tremendous mm. And I suppose, Gav, we shouldn't really let Decore fly under the radar. I mean, there was one particular moment in the second half when uh, Lucas Moura was bearing down yeah. on goal. And Decore got back so well to get a, a last-ditch challenge in. We wouldn't really have seen that with the kind of midfielders that we were playing last season, would we? Yeah, absolutely not. I don't think we would have seen that much from midfielders who've been playing for us for the last five or ten years, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I, you know, as I said on Friday, I think he gives us something that we've not really had. It's certainly from... 
last 10, 20 years, a, a physical mobile presence who can go from box to box. You know, Flaney and Terry could do that, as I said on Friday, but he was a different type of player, wasn't he? Um, and you, you saw that yesterday, didn't you? I mean, I think, you know, you didn't have to be a genius to work out how midfield uh, needed strengthening during the summer, but the impressive thing about it yesterday for me was um, we appeared to both the right players for the right shape and also to get the best out of Gomez. Uh, and Decore in that box-to-box role is perfect for that. I was really impressed. I mean, because those who watched him said that defensively maybe it's not as good as what um, you think he should be. And I thought he was excellent defensively. He's a threat going forward. He's big. He gives you a presence in both areas. I, th- I thought he was he was superb. You know, there's the title winning teams, isn't it? That have been partially built on buying players from relegated clubs. Um, and I, I thought he was, I thought he was tremendous yesterday. You can't, you can't fight, you can't fault anybody, can you? Really, he was, uh, he was superb. But I liked the, the way that balance between Gomez, Decore, Rodriguez, and Allen. I think that's a nice, nice balance, and they're all bringing a different type of. Um, you know, the skill set to the team as well, and also all proficient in different parts of the pitch. So, yeah, Decore, spot on. That, that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's about balance. I mean, Howard Kendall said that so many times, didn't he? You know, that that was one of his favourite phrases about getting the balance of the side right. It's a football team for a reason. It's a team. You know, each individual brings different. You know qualities uh, to the whole but you've all got to link together and work together and uh, that was why we enjoyed so much success all those years ago in the 80s because the team was so beautifully balanced and um, there are signs that you know Carlo's getting this right he spent the second half of last season basically assessing what he'd inherited Um, he didn't jump in with both feet he thought no well let's just see let's give everybody an opportunity uh, an awful lot of players didn't deliver, did let him down. So he brought in the players that he felt that we needed and he brought in players that he knows will work together well. And given that that was the first time they've all played together, they probably only trained together two or three occasions. That that was incredible to see how they fitted in together. So, you know, maybe Carlo deserves a great deal of praise for actually spotting the kind of players that he knew would work together uh, and have fitted together quite seamlessly so far. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And then, of course, Paul, we've got to talk about the goal as well. I mean, what a delivery that was from Luca Dean for a start, and then the that header from Dominic Calvert Lewin. It was just, it was a, it was a joy to watch a goal like that. Really, wasn't it? I mean, you, you wouldn't usually say that about just a header from a set piece, but it was, it was a really beautiful goal. It really was. I know I won't be the first person to say this, but it was completely reminiscent of uh, the man on the bench next to Carlo. It was a, a classic Ferguson header, you know. To me, it was not far from the standard of that famous one he scored against Arsenal at the old Highbury. It was just absolutely brilliant. He completely bossed Eric Dyer in the air, didn't he? And, and, and Lloris had, had no chance. And I was really pleased for, for Dominic because sometimes with him, certainly probably before last season, there were times where... He'd work, his, you know, his backside off in his game, run his socks off, and then he wouldn't get his reward of his goal. And I actually thought there were times yesterday that he, I've seen him play better. I think he got better as the game got, goes on, but he is in the team to score goals. And I know 
uh, in probably the, the the lockdown after the lockdown period. He, I don't think he scored, did he? Or if if, if he didn't, uh, he, he was a poor run of form for him. So I think that was just a nice little one to get off his back because you know that's what strikers are in the team for, you know, and that's that's what he's you know if he wants to to kick on like he did uh, last season, certainly after Duncan's uh, caretaker appointment, he, he he has to score goals. But like, yeah, and I, I was really pleased with the way he got onto the ball from the Corey. You know, this. There's all the ingredients there for, for Calvert-Lewin to be, uh, you know, a, a top-class striker. And you've got to remember he's young, but now, as as I said earlier, if, if you've got Rodriguez playing in that side particularly, he, sh- he should, you know, his eyes should light up because I think there's lots of goals for him like that. And just a special word for Luca Dean. I thought Seamus Coleman was excellent, as, as, right, as Gaz rightly said earlier, they were all excellent. Uh, but I thought Coleman was excellent and so I thought Luca Dean was as well. He was probably one of the exceptions at the back end of the last season in terms of form. And I thought he just continued it yesterday. It was a great ball. Yeah, great goal. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh... Paul t- like touches on a really interesting point there, Dave, about Calvert Lewin. I was looking at a, at, a, at his stats at the end of the game, and he had 22 touches of the ball, uh, which is less than anybody else who started the game, including yeah. Deli Ali, who was t- taken off at half time. So he really wasn't involved in a lot of in a lot of the play that Everton were playing. But as Wheeler rightly says, he worked so hard for the team, and you know, as long as one of them touches ends up in the back of the net, that's exactly what he's on the pitch for, isn't it? A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, his touches were significant. Um, I know it was highlighted on uh, on television the number of times that just very, very simple little, you know, chest backs to, you know, sort of players who are supporting him to retain possession. Uh, he leads the line very, very well. And it, it can be a selfless task, that, especially when you're doing it on your own, you know, sort of with your know, players in wider positions rather than alongside you. Uh, but he does it willingly. And I quite liked his, uh, his post-match interview. He obviously, he'd scored an absolutely classic Everton number nine's goal, proper centre-forwards header. But he was talking about the other opportunities he might have done better with, you know, a couple of ones where he, like, went through to the edge of the box and, you know, drilled shots that, you know, so couldn't quite, you know, so find the corner of the goal. So he wants to improve. He wants to learn all the time. And that's, like, so refreshing to see that. You know, he's clearly a, a young lad that is desperate to make the very, very best of himself and um, if he's going to continue to make you know contributions like that, he's going to be on the side week in, week out. Because you know, bottom line is he's there to score goals. Um, he did that for a spell last season, and then had that you know difficult spell towards the end, as we mentioned. But he's got off to a flying start again, you know, and he'll want to play on Wednesday. I know uh, a lot of the uh, team might be mixed around a little bit. I know Carla might give some players uh, a rest, but he will want to play because he's got off to a flying start. He scored a goal, and his confidence is buzzing. So yeah, long may it continue. I think the worry that some might have had, like when seeing the system that Carlo Ancelotti was going to play yesterday, was that you know in in the past when we've seen Everton play with a lone striker and that be Dominic Calvert Lewin up front, often he does sound, seem to find himself isolated. But Gav, as Bruno's rightly saying there, he didn't really feel isolated yesterday. He was just waiting for his opportunity to come, wasn't he? Well, that's because our midfield um, were able to remove the ball from the defence into into forward positions for the start. That helps, doesn't it? Um, and you're playing 4-3-3, so 4-3-3 is slightly different to, well, 4-1-4-1, whatever you call it, 4-3-3. Slightly different to when you play 4-2-3-1. So mm. where you are literally a lone figurehead on you, 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3 is slightly different. So um, the, the way we were set up meant that he wasn't as isolated as well. So, yeah, it was good. I, I mean, I think he'd only had 13 touches before he scored, hadn't he? Um, it was good. I mean, you picked on up there is 
the good thing. You talk all day about yesterday, and I intend to. So you know, you know. But it's, it was good yesterday because there was lots. I mean, everybody knows it was so long since you were going to like top top six. But it was also like that we got first the season. We obviously first away win anyway. First clean sheet, good for Pickford. Um, first win in London for God knows how long. I think it was a one win in three years. Um, so, and I also say Calvert Lewin, I think it was important. He went nine games at the end of last season without scoring. He starts off this season, he's got two, goes two or three games without scoring, and then you, you're into a difficult pit, you know, difficult time then where your main striker's gone 12, 13 games without a goal. So it was good for him to get his first goal of the season. And uh, yeah, I, I think Paul touched on it. He's got an unusual skill set, hasn't he? To say, there's not many mobile strikers who are really good in the air. You know, how, how many how many strikers in the Premier League off the top of your head have got it in their locker to score a goal like that yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, not many. It seems, to be, many. it seems to be a dying art, doesn't it? You know, so that yeah. old-fashioned, old you know, proper sense of forwards goal. Uh, and he's got yeah. that, but he's also got the ability to do other things as well. He's got pace, he's got the ability to, you know, sort of run the channels, to score. Yeah. You know, yeah. Inside forwards goals. He, you know, he has got, you know, an awful lot of qualities. Yeah, you, 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 the, you goals like that yesterday, you always associate with that, that dreaded phrase, target, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> but you, you never accuse Carver Luna of being a target, man, would you really? Uh, so he has got an unusual, unusual um, skill set in his locker, which I think gives us that little bit extra as well. And it's also good for him if he carries on working hard, uh, make him a very valuable commodity for us. Uh, yeah, and I was, I was pleased for him. That, that was a great header. That was a great header. Mm. One thing, the one thing I would say, and it was again touched on something that was said is sometimes when the ball's played in it into him his natural touch is to turn back towards um, away from goal isn't it I like to see him get the ball on the half turn take on the defender or you know take the ball into space um, which I think he won once or twice in the first half he did that but again can't complain you know least effective player on the pitch perhaps for us but he still scored the winning goal so I think that's a good balance take that every week mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, no sooner have we got that Spurs game out the way, we're looking looking straight ahead to the next game. You know, it's they're coming thick and fast at the start of this season. Everton are hosting Salford City in the uh, in the League Cup on Wednesday evening. Uh, we love... It is it is going to be a really important game. Obviously, Everton want to go well in the in the League Cup, etc. But do you make do you make sweeping changes to that team? Thinking about this earlier, uh, it's it's tricky. We need we need to win something. Then, and, and you'd hope the League Cup. Well, how long have we been saying about trying to win the League Cup for years and years and years now? But this could be an even better opportunity than in recent years because the first three or four rounds are all congested in this month, and you wonder if maybe some of those bigger clubs who've uh, you know went deep into Europe or they've got a lot of Champions League games coming up may even treat it with more contempt than they do usually in the earlier rounds and put even weaker sides out. You know, maybe Liverpool will put the kind of team they put out against Villa they were forced to last season. You don't know whether City will feel they can't rest uh, play even their like you know the second string players. So I do really do think it's 
important to get through these next few rounds and give ourselves a chance. At the same time, it was probably, I was probably, this probably not the only, it was, there was no negatives from yesterday, but there were times, you know, towards the end of the game where it's 1 0. And even though you're comfortable, you think, oh, should we freshen it up a little bit? Should we bring a few players on? And it, this is, it's, it's a minor complaint, but sometimes you look to the bench and said, well, how, how could you improve it by taking Rodriguez or a Decore off? It's, we've still not obviously got that strong squad strength that we want. And, I don't for this game particular. I don't. I don't think I'd be too worried if a Bernard or a Walcott played against Salford because I still think they've got enough quality to do the job. Uh, but part of me does, does does feel like we should just go strong and get the the game won. But at the same time, you want Rodriguez, you want Allen, you want Decore fit and firing for West Brom on Saturday. So uh, I'm loath to say it, but I probably would make a few changes. Mm. Prano, same question to you. Would you uh, would you ring the changes or would you try and keep the momentum going? No, I agree entirely with there uh, with Paul. There, I would make sweeping changes, and uh, mm. and this is a man who actually is desperate for us to win the league cup. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen us get to a couple of finals and fall short, and uh, it's quite shameful, really. That it's the one competition that we've never won. So I think we have to treat treat it seriously, but we can still do that by ensuring that you know the players that we've just mentioned are still fresh because it's a very quick turnaround. You know, we've got a game on Sunday, the last game to play on a Sunday. Uh, we've then got, you know, a game on a Wednesday night and then it's an early game on the following Saturday, half past 12. So it's literally only, you know, two days, two and a half days turnaround. And given how little training uh, to Kure, Rodriguez and Alan have had so far, I really seriously don't think any three of them can be involved, certainly not from the start. Um Clearly, there are some areas we can't really mix things up a little bit. Defensively, we haven't got that many options. You'd imagine John Joe Kenny would come in. Uh, but, you know, we haven't got certainly any backup or centre-half. And uh, notice at the weekend as well, there was no Anthony Gordon on the bench. I mean, is that, is that an injury issue or is that just because uh, the squad strength is so, you know, deep anyway? Um, well, we, so, we've not had about any injury, have we? So yeah. you, you'd have to think it was just like a squad. A squad. Well, you hope it's just like yeah. a squad. A squad thing and he'd be back in the squad for Wednesday's well, in, game. And in, in that respect then, you know, so he will come back into the thinking. Obviously, Gilfie Sigurdsson will, Tom Davis will, Theo Walcott will, Bernard will. Moisey Keane, I know I expressed my reservations about him last week, but, you know, this is the ideal opportunity for him to give Dominic a lift and, you know, so see what he can do. And uh, I know Gary Neville, perhaps tongue-in-cheek, was suggesting at the weekend that he wanted to see, you know, James Rodriguez playing at the weekend. <laughs> um, you know, he'll be expecting a number of changes. Uh, and I think we should too, uh, because, you know, the, the momentum is important to keep that going in the Premier League. Uh, and West Brom got off to a bad start. You know, they'll be stung, you know, so we, we need to make sure that we've got the very similar 11 that played yesterday available again to play this Saturday. So I think we do need to expect a number of changes on Wednesday. That doesn't mean that we you know we're going to uh, be weaker as a result of it. You know, there's some very, very talented players sat on the subs bench at the weekend. It's an opportunity for them to show, you know, Carlo that he was wrong to leave them out and so to, to get about it. Uh, and, you know, if, if they do go out and don't deliver against Salford, he's learned something about them. So, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I think we should expect a, a fair few changes for Wednesday. Mm. I think Preno touches on a good point there, Gav. You know, we really should see any changes as an opportunity for those on the bench to try and prove themselves rather than anything else, shouldn't we? We'll get a f- bit of fitness as well. We'll be a star, wouldn't we? Um, yeah. So, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can just agree with Preno there. 
It's great when you're funny. You agree with everybody's only there's no uh, no dissenting voices, you know, nothing to moan about. It's just it's just great. Uh, yeah, there's no family yesterday as well. I, I, I was singing here we go, here we go, it's ten o'clock in our back garden last night. So uh, you know you know, you know it's been you know it's been a great Sunday when that happens, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, I agree with Pren. I I, th- I see maybe even a completely different team. Uh, a because it's what three games effectively in five days, isn't it? And also because it was hot, wasn't it, yesterday as well? It was a really draining game for the first game of the season as well. So I see a lot of a lot of players being brought in. Gives Carlo an opportunity to have a look at them. So you may even see perhaps even, you know, a completely different eleven. Let's say for maybe Pickford, you'd want to keep in goal. And maybe see maybe me and again comes some game time. As well, I know Colgate's injured as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it will be a it'll be be interesting to see the lineup. But we should have it, you know. Did I say we should have it in us to win, even with a second string out, shall we say? Mm. Well, to finish off the podcast, we will do our customary predictions, of course. And Gav, I'll start with you because obviously you have got off to a flying start in the predictions this year, absolutely spot on. With a one nil win over Spurs, so yeah. here we go. If you want to, if you want to put your bet on, listen to Gav now. In the context of last season's woeful performance, where I finished last by a country mile, it was like I was, I was the knowledge. I was the knowledge of the prediction league last year. Uh, yeah. But I was thinking, you know, both me, me and Hammers Rodriguez had the points approve over the weekends, and we both came. <laughs> with flying colours, you know. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Everton 3, Salford 0. There's, there's mine. OK. Dave, uh, Gab's just compared himself to James Rodriguez, which you know, <laughs> yeah. is, something, is quite something to live up to. So yeah, what, 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 uh, what are you all thinking for this one? A very surreal weekend, isn't it? Dear, oh dear. <laughs> um, well, I, I was quite pleased with it. I went for a 2-1 away win at Spurs without any huge confidence. I think it was more my heart ruling my head on that occasion. But I'm quite confident about uh, about this one tomorrow night or Wednesday night. Um, 3-0 I probably might have gone for. But no, I mean, I'll, I'll try and go for something different just for sake of variety. I think the number of changes we make uh, will affect the flow of the other team a little bit, but also the quality that we're bringing in. Now, we're, we're going to absolutely demolish them. And uh, Gary Nagel's <laughs> going to have a face like a lodging house cat. Uh, we're we're, we're, we're going to win 5-0. <laughs> Five nil. Um, I'm loving the positivity that one one uh, one one nil win can cause. This is amazing. We like. Well, I, was, I was tempted by three nil, but Preno's tempted me to go six nil now. But I think <laughs> you know what? I, I'll go in between the two and say four nil. Yeah, I fancy some goals tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think it does depend on uh, on what kind of team Carlo Ancelotti goes for. I think if we do. Like as Preno says, if we do make a lot of changes, then I think it could maybe affect the flow of the team, perhaps in the first half. Might grow into it a little bit more second half. Uh, I think I'm going to go with 3-0. I'm just going to side with Gav and uh, make sure make sure that I'm right for the rest of the season because, of course, Gav is now just going to get every single prediction right. That's the way it goes. I'm the man. I'm a bit like Preno. Preno would remember this. He wants to talk about the 70s. I'm a bit like the Carlisle of the 1974-75 season. <laughs> top of the table after the top of the table after the opening weekends and ends up getting relegated. So uh, 
Yeah, that's me. You're the man with all these caps. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> oh, right, lads. Thank you all for joining me. This has been it's been a great chat talking about the good Everton win, and fingers crossed. Uh, we'll have another one of those to discuss later in the week. We'll be back to discuss the game against Sol- Salford and we'll be looking ahead, of course, closer to the West Brom game, which is coming up quick uh, next weekend. Uh, thank you for joining us. Remember, you can rate us and review us on any of your podcast channels that you're listening to us uh, on and you can join in the conversation on Facebook and Twitter as well. You, it's not hard to find us on Facebook and Twitter. You'll be able to you'll be able to track us down and we'll be more than happy to discuss anything podcast related with you. So thank you for joining the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.